Hi, I'm your host, Brittany Spence, and this is In the Face of Illness. We are a podcast committed to cultivating a greater understanding of the many resources available for families facing childhood illness, because we believe this is a vital topic of conversation, not only for families in the throes of the fight, but for everyone. Ultimately, we are here to offer hope in the face of illness. Ansley Prosser is a senior at Anderson University, where she will graduate with her Bachelor of Science in Nursing in May and get married shortly after in June. She is originally from Graniteville, South Carolina, but after graduating and getting married, she will remain in Anderson, South Carolina. When she isn't studying for her nursing exam, she enjoys hiking and being outdoors with her fiancé, Coleman, trying new coffee shops and hanging with her girlfriends. Ansley was eight years old when her sister Carly was born with a very rare genetic disorder. Carly was also diagnosed with epilepsy, which took her family to Le Bonheur Children's Hospital. It was there and because of Carly that her love for nursing took off and she was able to meet so many amazing doctors and nurses that she still looks up to today. We are honored to have Ansley on with us today. Um, I have had the privilege of knowing Ansley's family for many, many, many years um, and getting to know them as they walk the journey with Carly. And um, I have always just been truly amazed at uh, the mature, beautiful um, young lady that Ansley is and just the amazing sister she is to Carly and the daughter she is to her parents. And um, just such a gift she is. So we're honored to have her on and for her to tell us a little bit more about her own story and her own journey of being the sibling uh, to someone that has a chronically ill illness and um, and what that was like. So thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Um, so, okay. So we're just going to kind of talk a little bit about, um, so you said you were eight when Carly was born and, um, how in, in your mind and recollection, you know, how quickly did you feel like that, that maybe something was a little bit different with Carly? Maybe things were, you know, not meeting the milestones or, you know, you could kind of see it on your parents' faces that maybe they were a little more worried. Tell me about just that. When did you kind of start to even pick up on that, I would say? I would say not long after, mom and dad both were always very open with me, very honest about what was going on. So I kind of knew, I won't say as soon as they did, but not long after. And then I saw, okay, I didn't know what was normal because she was the first sibling I had had, but I did know that, I don't know if this is quite right. She used to just scream and cry and cry and cry. And I could see, not panic, but I could see the worry on mom. And my grandma was keeping her at the time. and. Mom would have to come home from work, and we took her to the doctor's office, gosh, probably once a week, it seemed like, at one point. And I knew that they didn't do that with me because I didn't go to the doctor that often. And so that it was kind of then that I was like, mm, but I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what, what we were really in for. 
Uh, and then we got the diagnosis about, I mean, I went to the doctor's office with grandma at times just because she was keeping us. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we got the diagnosis of the cortical blindness. And so then I knew, I mean, I was old enough then to know, okay, what was that going to entail? What was that going to look like? But at that point, that was the only diagnosis we had. And so I just assumed, all right, everything's cool. We'll just roll right with this. Just, that's fine. Her eyes don't work. No big deal. It's normal. I mean, it's not normal, but we can make it normal. It, it can work. And then it was afterwards that we started no- noticing the seizure activity and things like that and spending time in the hospital. And then we started having therapists come in and out. And then I think that's when I kind of realized, all right, this is not going to get normal like I thought it would. This this is different. And like I said, mom was always super honest with me. And because she was a nurse, she kind of knew what to tell me, per se. So I didn't know immediately, but I definitely knew early on that things weren't normal. Things weren't going to be normal. Mm-hmm. So just because we've also, you know, had your your mom on the podcast as well. And your mom was also in nursing um, mm-hmm. at the time, right? She was. Okay. So your grandma would keep you all while your mom was at nursing. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, just as a... As an eight-year-old, you know, nine-year-old, you know, so on, starting to see that. Tell me some ways that you felt like others could show you some love and support. Because obviously, Carly required quite a bit, you know, um, if it's just even, you know, if, if it was even just calming her down or having to... You know, I'm not sure what they did. I know with my own kids, like sometimes I had to bounce on a ball for a long time, you know, to get them to calm down or or any of those things. So was it one of those that you tried to jump in and help as well or, you know, assist or hold her or do whatever? Was it one of those? I know that you have always been um, an incredible softball player. So I don't know when that started as far as you being really involved in sports. Um, You know, you also did the pageants. And so... Kind of tell me about that. Like, how did you feel like people tried to show up, not just for your family, but but even you? I, we had so many people. And, and like you said, when times were, like when she was really sick and things were rough, um, I don't want to make myself sound like I'm bragging. But a lot of the times, if no one could calm Carly down, usually mom could. And if no one could, then typically I was able to somehow she would respond to me and was fine. There were times that as a eight or nine year old, I fell asleep holding her just in my arms because that's the only place that she would calm down. Wow. Um, And so a lot of the times I wanted to be right in the middle of it. And I thought. And even more so now, I thought that she was my kid. I I thought that she belonged to me. And so I wanted to be right in the middle of it. Then I started playing softball shortly after. um, I think I was nine or 10 when that started. I mean, I had always played, but then it got, 
I started doing travel shortly after. And I, I just had so many people that showed showed up for me. Um, our family was always super good about it. And then we had people who became our family, especially when mom and dad had to be away. We had friends that just one of them in particular I mean, I practically moved in with her. She had me a room at her house. She had me a place at her table. She took me to school. She got me where I needed to be like I was one of her kids. She treated me just like the rest of her kids. And was that a dear friend of yours, mother? Was that a dear friend of your mom's? Like how, how did that relationship even begin? That was my mom's. They, um, mom was friends with her and her sister since they were in high school or before. And then they stayed close. And then when that happened, she, they're both those people that just kind of show up and say, all right, I'm here. So what do you need? They don't ask. They just do. And she did. And she, I mean, I, I practically lived with her for a little while and I needed that at that time because mom and dad had to be away with Carly. I couldn't go because, I mean, Memphis is nine hours from us. I had school. I had everything. And so my grandparents would help out. But a lot of times my grandma was with my mom. Yeah. There was just a lot of uncertainty. They just kind of like felt comfortable with me staying there because it was a stable place for me to go. And she took good care of me. She got me ready for my first pageant. Wow. She helped take me to all the places and buy all the things until mom could get back. But she did. And I love them still. I tell her all the time, I'm still so thankful that she did that for me because she didn't have to. Yeah. I mean, I'm not her kid. (laughs) And how old were her kids? Were they close Uh, to your age or? She had one that we were in school together. And um, we were friends, too. And we have gone to school together since elementary school through high school. And then she had a daughter that was older than me just by a couple of years. And then a daughter that was younger than me. And she was in, I want to say, elementary school also. She, she was a good bit younger. But so she had three to take care of, of her own. Right, right. Um, we always talk about, you know, when, when people, um, you know, when people reach out to us, you know, and, and something big has happened in, in someone they know's life, you know, whether it's a bad diagnosis or trauma or, you know, uh, whatever it may be. Um, and they reach out and always say, you know, I I just want to support, I just want to do something. My advice is always, Mm -hmm you know, in essence, stay in your lane. And so meaning find what is something that you're already naturally doing. You know, if it's that, that, you know, your teammates, parents want to help get you to softball tournaments back and forth, or they know that you got to get fitted for a glove, or they know you got to get this uniform, or you got to have snacks or whatever, you got to bring certain things, you know, that that's where they could fill the role, because it's, it's a natural, it's, it's not honestly that big of a deal to add one more person, you know, I mean, if they're already making a water ball for one kid, it's not, you know, or in this situation, you know, this 
precious lady already knew your family so well, knew you had daughters, knew what that was mm-hmm. like, um, and so could jump into that, you know, into that role. And so, you know, I always tell people like, okay, if you if you've got a kid at the same school and you know teacher appreciation's mm-hmm. coming up or you know, they have to bring something for Valentine's Day or whatever. Why don't you instead say, hey, I'm I'm going to get that. I'm getting it for my kid. I'll get it for yours. Or, But but where sometimes it can hurt are those people that have never been in your lane, you know, have never really, you know, y'all have just been passing in the night and all of a sudden they try to just jump in head first and, and you know, do all these different things. Um and it it becomes a, a little bit more about them than you. And so, right. you know, that's where we say, just find that role. Now, everybody still needs. I mean, I've, I've got somebody right now I can think of that, you know, that the husband has cancer and she has kids my age, but they're um, they're a boy versus my girl. And, you know, we don't do any of the same right. sports or any of the same friend groups or whatever. And so what I can do for her is pray. I can drop off a meal. I can drop off breakfast. You know, I can do those right. things that it, it's not necessarily that personal connection. Um, but what a gift that that and what a gift I'm sure even I'm sure that that lady felt so helpless in not knowing how she could best support your mom and Carly, and she knew, okay, I can do this. And mm-hmm. what a gift that was for your family. Cause there were numerous times I sat in Carly's hospital room with your mom and your mom was just beyond sad to be missing, mm-hmm. picking out your dress for the pageant or missing your softball tournament or, you know, I mean, there were numerous times that she'd say, I got to get this, you know, Ainsley just got down to school and, She's calling me before she heads to softball or, you know, her grandpa is at home trying to figure out, you know, what outfit or what shoes she needs with this pageant. And he doesn't have any idea. You know, I just numerous times that I saw it on your mom's face that she wished she could have been cloned or torn in half so she could be with Carly, but be with you. And, you know, just what a gift that. That lady did that for you, you know, and I'm sure she, you have so many other stories like that of oh, I do. people who stepped I in do. softball or pageant or school or um, driving you around or, you know, helping your grandpa oh, yeah. when it was just him, you know, at home yep. with you or, um, you know, any of that kind of stuff. So kind of like we've always said, just find your lane and do something, yep. you know, it, yep. even if it's just pray for him, but do something. Um, oh, well, yeah. Tell me some of the struggles you feel like you experienced. I mean, because the the journey was from Carly, you know, really starting to show signs that something was going on because she wasn't diagnosed right away. It took a long time to figure out exactly her diagnosis. Right. Her epilepsy started pretty quickly, but the actual diagnosis. So from the beginning to... When she passed, so you were eight when she was born, and how old were you when she passed? I was seventeen. Okay, okay. So I mean, we can all think, especially if we have kids, the life that is lived in that time period or our own selves. What are some struggles that you feel like were there, and 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 nothing could be done, you know, about it? It is what it is. Your mom had to be somewhere else. Your dad had to keep working because he had to make sure that y'all had food on the table and a roof over your head. Right. And, um, 
you know, but we know that there's still struggles with that. What are some things that you felt like, you know, were something that that really you've had to over you had to overcome then or you've even had to overcome now of going that journey for nine years uh, with Carly? One of the biggest that I can remember struggling with, especially when she was so sick and in and out of the hospital. And like I said, it was nine hours away because the hospital at home just was not an option. It it just, the care that she got at Le Bonheur was so much better that that's where she had to be. And I struggled with not being there. I yeah. struggled with having to stay home. I can remember up until her very last time there, I knew it was going to be, I knew, I I don't know why I knew it was going to be the last time, but I did. And I cried and cried at 17 years old in the backseat of mom and dad's car because I couldn't go. And I I wanted to be there. And like I said, I felt like she was my kid. (laughs) So I felt like I was abandoning her or I don't know. I just felt like I couldn't be there. So I wasn't doing anything. Mm-hmm. What what was I doing for her if I was still here and she was away? I couldn't take care of her from nine hours away. But at the same time, I still had to go to school. I had to grow up. I mean, life for me, that part of my life didn't get to just stop. Mm-hmm. I still had to do all of the things at the ages. I mean, that part was honestly one of the hardest things that I had to deal with because I also didn't want to make mom and dad feel bad because they couldn't, nobody could help the situation. There was no, I mean, there was no option. So we went up there to visit when we could, but other than that, I had to stay home. And then another really big struggle that I had and probably still have, but I have, have to move past it was, um, not being able to fix it. I wanted to just take it and have it myself. I still remember just like laying awake, wondering why on earth her and not me? Why did I not get it? I've already lived this amount of time, which is crazy because I was a child still too. I feel like I've done all these things. She hasn't even gotten the chance to. So why can't I just, I'll just have it if we could just make her okay. Yeah. And so I, I still, even now, sometimes wonder why, why couldn't it have been me? And I know that sounds horrible to say, I wish that for myself, but it was more, I wished that it could have been taken away from her, even if it meant that it was me. And so I, I now that I'm older, I have to understand that those are not thoughts from the Lord. And it wasn't me because for some reason I still have a purpose and I can't fix it, but I can still remember her and live for her and use her story. And for some reason, it wasn't me. And and that has to be okay. But I, I mean, I still struggle with that, not understanding why it had to be her. Yeah. And I think, too, that shows 
uh, my husband really struggled a lot with the part of like not being able to fix forest. And I think some of that comes from, you know, y'all have it in your blood to be healthcare and save mm-hmm. people. I mean, it's, you know, as a mother, obviously I wanted to save him too. And I would have taken it from, him, but there was this strong feeling for David of, I just want to fix it. Like I am mm-hmm. trained, you know, he was in training to be an orthopedic surgeon to fix people and he couldn't right. fix the one person he wanted to fix the most in the world. And so, you know, I think part of that is in your, you know, DNA that you, you have always had that helper serving, you know, side of you that, um, you know, wants to be able to do those things. And it was so hard that, you know, even as a child that you couldn't and to see your parents hurt and be so sad and know that feeling, um, you know, you just, you can tell how much you have such a, a strong sense of empathy Um, you know, you can just tell that you empathize with people and with others and your parents and your grandparents and Carly and, you know, but as you said, there is nothing more in the world than Carly wanting you to be exactly who you're being. I I know that Carly would want nothing more than just to know how well you are doing and, um, but I know you would give anything in the world to have her at your wedding and at your graduation and meeting Coleman and um, getting to see all the wonderful things. But she's such a part of you. And I think about it makes me smile so big thinking about the type of nurse you're going to be because of Carly and the way that you're going to love more deeply, the way that you're going to empathize more deeply, the way that you're going to respect the parents and listen to them and be their advocate because of the journey that y'all walked as a family. And so that's her legacy. I mean, her legacy is continuing through you and your mama and your daddy and your grandparents. Um, and so it's it's going to continue her life and her legacy and what she's left behind is going to continue in everything that you do. Um, are y'all doing anything special at the wedding to remember her or honor her? We are. So our florist is having, or I'm having the florist make a special bouquet that matches the bridesmaids um, for her. And it will sit by my mom where, I mean, not where she would have been because she would have been beside me. Yeah. So that's hard. And then at the end, we're having a butterfly release (sighs) for that as we get ready to walk out of the ceremony. It's outside. And so we're having that. So she'll be there. That part has been really hard for me. And planning this whole wedding is, I've told mom, I'm supposed to be excited. And I am excited. Don't get me wrong. I'm thrilled. But every now and then, I mean, you know how it is. I'll be doing great. And then the grief will just kick me right in the gut. Like when I least expect it. I have stayed awake at night because I don't, I keep telling mom, it's just not the same. It's Mm -hmm. just not right. This just isn't how it was supposed to be. And how am I going to go through my wedding knowing that 
my sister should have been there, mm-hmm. but she's not. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know that is, is, you know, you miss her every day of every moment, mm-hmm. but definitely those special times where you think, man, we would have been there celebrating and having her right beside me in a pretty dress and, you know, coming down and her beautiful smile and giggles. It's, it's, it's so hard knowing that she won't be there, but I love what you're doing. I think all of that sounds so special and so beautiful. So I, I know she'll be in her own little way, you know, at at your wedding and a part of it. And, um, you know, she's, she's a part, you know, of everything. Um, what do you wish that others would maybe know about being the sibling of a sick sister? What do you wish that maybe others may not know what's something that maybe you wish that they did? For one, it's hard and it wears on you in just about every way. Um, For me, I was a lot older than Carly, so she was my baby. I don't know. I just, and so when they were gone, I felt empty. Like, and so for me, a lot of people would ask, How's your sister? Of course. How's your parents? A lot of times, I think because I was standing right in front of them, people forgot to say, well, how are you? Mm -hmm. Because I was very good at showing up, doing what I needed to do, not making a fuss about anything. There were times things were going on and my own, my teacher had no idea because I just, uh, I, I left it at the door, did what I needed to do and got out and then felt it when I got back home. And so a lot of times I was not jealous that they were asking about Carly. Sometimes, I, a lot of times I was not, but I just, I was really good at just putting it away. The ones that I can remember that did were our family, um, families that had sick kids too, Mm -hmm. and then a lot of people that had healthcare backgrounds. Mm -hmm. I would just say you for you, like not just right. Of course, you're Carly's sister, and of course, they're going to ask about Carly and your parents, but like you also you know, had a lot going on and, um, you know, so, so to even acknowledge how softball going, how school going, you know, how's, how are the pageants going? How is this going? You know, acknowledge the parts that are specific to you, um, that make you, you, um, to remember that as well. Right. And then, and then like the ones that would say, are are you okay? Are you, I know everything that's going on and how are you handling it? What do you need? Mm-hmm. Um, because I felt like, not because my parents or anybody made me feel this way, but I was older. And so I thought, okay, they've got enough going on. Carly is sick. She has a reason <laughs> to have all of this attention. I'm okay. Yeah. I don't have her. I don't need everybody's attention. I can't take that away from her. I can't not be a hundred percent open. I don't want it to sound like that, but I can't 
share everything because I don't want my parents to feel like they have to take care of me too. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm sure my mom would die if she knew I felt that way. And it wasn't because of any way anybody made me feel. It was because I made myself feel that way. Mm-hmm. I just thought, okay, they can't, they can't, they can't worry about me right now. They don't need another thing. I can't fall apart. Yeah. Did you, did you have anybody that you could be really open and honest with? I mean, was there somebody that you could say, man, I really am hurting today or really am sad, or I just wish my mama was here to pick out this pageant dress with me. Or, you know, I wish during this softball game, I could look over in the stands and I had both parents here. I mean, was there somebody that you did feel like you could open up to? Um, a lot of times I feel like that was my aunt, she, my mom's sister. She has been like always like another mom to me. And she has told me she feels like I'm has always felt like I'm one of her kids, too. And mm-hmm. she was the one that I could fall apart. OK. And it was OK. And, yeah. And I could say all of those things. I mean, she could handle it. Yeah. And everybody else could, too. But I, I don't know. Yeah, she. I mean, she was like my mama, and she was my mom's sister, and yeah. so I don't know. And I did have more of those people. I had like um, the one that I stayed with mm-hmm. a good bit. I had them. I had, and a lot of times my dad was home because mom was away. Dad was home working, so grandma stayed with mom. Um, and then I had my dad and. I mean, emotionally and as a a girl, nobody can replace your mom. But my dad did a good job at playing mom. Mm-hmm. He, me and him are very similar in the way that we deal with our emotions. And he can usually say to, he, he usually gets that side. And when I'm angry, but it's really I'm upset about something. He he can get that. Mom wants to fix it, but sometimes Dad knows enough and can say enough just to. He lets me talk about it. He says his piece, and then he leaves me alone about it. And sometimes that's what I needed. And so, my dad, he understands. I feel like he understands me differently, emotionally. And so I did, I did have people that I could confide in, but Mm -hmm. it was still hard. I feel like it it wasn't one of those things that every day I wanted to talk about. It was few and far between. And then once I did, it just was like, it exploded. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you did, you know, feel like you could do that. I mean, and I think, you know, sometimes kids can go one way or the other. They either, you know, in the teenage years, especially either are like, all right, I got to keep it together. I, I've got to, you know, honestly kind of cross all my T's and dump my eyes. I need to, you know, I don't need to give my parents one more thing to worry about. Or they go the opposite where they can go wild and crazy and, you know, because they they are struggling with things. And so, you know, it really is a beautiful thing that you were able to say, you know, I'm going to take a really hard, difficult situation and journey and, and, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to grow in it. I'm going to be the best that I can be. I'm going to 
you know, let it motivate me to to be the best student and you know the the best I can be at what I what I can be in one day even in your future. Um, how did your experience of walking Carly's medical journey impact your your future career? The fact that you are going into nursing and even before we started the podcast, you talked about, you know, some of the ways that you're even thinking about, you know, you've still got a couple months until, you know, you start really figuring out exactly when, but how, how do you feel like that experience really impacted you? Was that kind of early on that you thought, I want to do something like this? I would say so. Um, I, I don't think I gave it much thought before Carly just because I was so young but then after Carly it just became like second nature in our house I mean she was so complex and had so many things that we had the equipment we had the feeding tubes we had all of that in our in our home and so I had access to it at a very young age and like I said, mom was always very honest with me. Nothing nothing was hidden. Nothing was a secret. If Carly had it or if it was going on, I knew about it. And maybe on a nine-year-old level, but I, I was still involved. And so I, mom let me do a lot of her care as I wanted to. I don't want to make it sound like it was forced on me it right I wanted to be involved and so mom let me as much as I wanted to and so I got to change her g-tube and at some of the hospitals in our area nurses can't even do that mm. I pushed meds that some nurses have never even heard of I so I got the best experience with the best patient that I could have had and that's when I started to love it. And so then going to Bobonner, because of Carly, I got to see what that level of care looks like because that is not everywhere. And it is not, it's not very common in our hometown. And so that's why we drove the nine hours because that level of care is far beyond. And so that's what I want to do. That's who I want to be. And it's only because of her that I got to see that. Mm -hmm. I got to see the way those people loved on her, my mom, us, the staff that, I mean, I feel like we got to really close with the nurses and doctors, but even the staff that we didn't get close with, um, I can remember they came to change her pick line which is a sterile procedure. So everybody leaves the room except the patient and the people doing it. And I was holding her and they asked me if I wanted to stay. And so they helped me gown up and get all my equipment on. And they let me stay there and hold Carly's hand and watch Mm -hmm. because I, I loved it. I mean, so Without Carly, I would have never had those experiences. Without LaVonna, I certainly would have never had those experiences either because they were so willing to teach and so willing to let me see what was going on. And I didn't even understand how much of an impact it had on me until now. Looking back, 
I was, I'm so thankful for that. Um, and the way the nurses there cared for me and I wasn't the patient. Yeah. On their days off, I went to the zoo with one of them. I have spent the night at one or two of them's house. Um, they took me one day to dinner. I mean, we've painted pottery. They've been to our house in South Carolina. They just they took care of all of us. Yeah, yeah. And they they became our family. And so watching that, I knew I had to be a part of that. I don't know. They were just more than our, our nurses and more than just somebody coming in, doing their job and getting out. And I already was so interested in the profession and I loved it so much because of Carly. And then when I saw that side of it, they were just so caring and compassionate and walking in that hospital is like, it's a home. It really is a home away from home for us because I mean, we spent so much time there, but everyone there just became like our family and was so willing to help me learn and do things even at a young age. Mm -hmm. And so I fell in love with it. And I'm, I'm very lucky that as I practice and in the coming years, I have Carly who started that in me. And then I watched them and they refined the kind of nurse that I want to be. They, I don't know. They just, they, they're just people that I look up to a lot of them. And I could never sit here and name them all because there are just so many. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of when I knew what I, okay, this is what I want to do. And so I came to school and started and it's tough. It is really, nursing school is not for a week. It is tough. And so I don't think without, I think that had I not had the passion that they have helped create in me, I don't think I would be able to be here now. I walked in the hospital on my first day of clinical, my first semester of nursing school, and I thought, what have I gotten myself into? I love this, but oh my word, this is, this is rough. And I walked into my first patient's room and there was a butterfly taped oh, to the wall. No. And you're like, yeah. she's here. Yep. And I was like, okay, okay, I can do this. Uh huh. I can do this. That is so She's cool. here. Yeah. The Lord is telling me I'm right where I need to be. I'm, yeah. I'm going to be okay. And she's, she's still with me and she's going to be with me every day that I walk into the hospital, no matter where I am. And so I just, I have confirmation now because of what she started in me. She created that love for me for nursing. And then Labonna was such a key part in that as well. And my mom, of course, I've watched her. She, I mean, was basically Carly's personal nurse for nine years. And so all of those things helped shape my career I I feel at peace with it I feel like I'm right where I need to be like I'm home and she's with me yeah yeah and always 
and always will be, you know, and in, in all aspects of, of your life, you know, and, um, you know, my own kids who are all younger than four, so never got to know him, but know him, you know, by us talking and in the different things, you know, they'll tell us little things that, you know, we'll remind them or think of or mm-hmm. see, or, you know, even today we were at the hospital, we did breakfast for families at Le Bonner and a man walks up and he's reading. He's one of our first ones. He's kind of reading and he goes, now tell me more about this. And he said, I, I was looking and he said, because that's my last name. And his, his last name was Forrest wow. with two R's. Wow. And it was just this sweet moment of, you know, because mm-hmm. I, I said, you're probably like me every time you say it's Forrest, but with two R's. Um, <laughs> and he was like, I do, you know, but it was just that moment of like, you know, I've been doing this 16 years. I've I've never met someone at the hospital that says my last name is Forrest with two R's, you know, mm-hmm. it just a simple you know, providing breakfast to families. And so there's moments that, you know, you've just got to be open to seeing or feeling their presence, you know, whatever, whatever that is. Um, Well, I, like I said, have always, you know, really admired you and um, loved hearing stories from your mom and grandma. I mean, they, they loved to tell me all about, you know, your, your, softball everything you did in softball and the pageants and I would see pictures of you in the pageants and you know all the different things and I just I loved sitting in the room with them hearing them talk about you and how unbelievably proud they were of you and and very aware too of the struggles that you were facing you know they knew that it wasn't easy being a a girl that was, you know, maturing and, you know, going through things and not having her mama or grandma there to be able to say, what do I do with this? Or how do I do this? Or, you know, praise the Lord for technology nowadays that there's FaceTime. And, um, you know, I think 20 years ago, we didn't have that kind of stuff. And so thankfully there's that, but they knew that, that, you are a special, special, special lady, and God's got big plans for you, girl, and I, I can't wait to see it. I know you're going to move mountains, you know, in in your own family and life and your marriage with Coleman and the type of nurse you're going to be, and um, and just know that you've got big fans back here in Memphis that are <laughs> cheering you on, and, and oh, um, you. you know, who knows, maybe one day we'll even have a South Carolina branch. <laughs> we could bring you on to run our South Carolina branch. And there you go. Um, but we're really proud of you and and thank you, you know, thank you for, you know, I, I don't even know now, I guess over maybe two years ago or more that we even asked you, you know, to to write some things down that we could use when we talked about struggles that siblings go through and you were so open and honest about that and that was a gift for us to be able to do the podcast on that and then just to have you on and hear more. So thank you for being real and honest and open and, but also just showing your love and joy. And um, I think it's that, that you personify that quote that it's better to have um, loved and lost than to never have loved at all. And, you know, you wish more than anything you would have had Carly longer you know, than you, than you did, but man, how she changed your life in those nine years. And so she did. 
you know, to to experience that deep love you had for her and she had for you. You know, it it's even though you've gone through so much grief and heartache and sadness, um, but just how much you changed her and she changed you. So we're proud of you and we can't wait to see the pictures of you graduating and we can't wait to see the pictures of you um, on your wedding day. So thanks for spending time with us and sharing your story with us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our latest episode. We hope that this podcast is a resource for you and a source of support. Whether you are facing illness in your own family or want to walk beside other families dealing with childhood illness, we want the stories, wisdom, and knowledge shared to give you hope. Episodes will be released bi-weekly, so be sure to subscribe today. Thank you.